Welcome to Get Your Shift Together, hosted by Michelle Ferrari. As an executive and leadership coach, Michelle's mission is to support you on your leadership journey, whether you lead a team of 5,000 or are seeking to improve your own self-leadership. Michelle's approach is to guide you in understanding the impact of your choices and actions and help you shift those choices and actions to align with your goals. Michelle's humor and expertise will leave you wanting more. I hope you're ready to jump in because it's time to get your shift together. I'm here with your host, Michelle Ferrari, and I'm Jordan Harding. We're back with a new collaboration. If you don't recognize me, I've been asked to co-host some episodes with Michelle, and I'm grateful to be here with you today. Michelle, this will likely come out in a few weeks, and it's been a rough go. Uh, And we're thinking about the healthcare workers on the front line fighting for us, Uh, you know, everyone who has those essential jobs who's going in and anyone who's affected by COVID-19, which is in in one way or another, all of us. So we are thinking of you. Yes, we are. Yeah. But for for today, I want to take us out of the current state. And I want to focus on the topic of what we want and how you help people take actions towards what they want. And I think on podcast seven, you spoke about how to begin your shift and you spoke about three things. So people can go back and listen to that episode, but I would like to dig a little further. And, and the three things were vision, wake and action. Right. And so you said, you've said to me several times, you fundamentally believe we're here for two reasons, to find our special gift and to use it to its full capacity. So what makes, what makes you believe in that so passionately? That's a good question. Why do I believe that so passionately? Look, we're so different. Each of us is so different. We have lots of commonalities, but at the end of the day, those commonalities come together and form a different picture in every single human being on the planet. And I look around and I think, uh, you know, pick a topic right now, because it's not just I've been talking to a lot of clients over the last couple of weeks and that the heaviness of those conversations is, is so visceral for me because it, it, yes, of course it's the pandemic, but it, but it's, it is the climate. It is the planet. It is uh, civil rights. It is the headlines, the constant headlines of, of divisiveness and that we're all searching for something. There's no, there's nobody that I have come into contact with in my long life where they enjoy the strife and the, and the divisiveness. And we're all searching for a way out of it. Some of us are going to make big, big, deep, lasting change. And, and, and some of us are going to make small incremental change. And how we do that is unique to each of us. And I think one of the things that, that becomes difficult for people is that often we only talk about the big things. 
we only talk about someone finding the cure for cancer or someone winning the Nobel Peace Prize. And I fundamentally <laughs> believe that that real lasting change is much more incremental than that, is much more iterative than that. Yeah, we have those big explosive moments, but day in and day out, it's the small, consistent commitment to something that I think really shifts us as human beings. And so I guess in answering your questions, I, I, I like to believe that we all have something to contribute to that. Me believing that is important to how I live my life. I don't have any commanding evidence that says we're all here to make a contribution, but I will tell you of the thousands and thousands of people that I've spent time with over my life and worked with over my life. When I'm open to that idea, I see remarkable things in every human being that I come into contact with. And do they have to be open to it as well? 100%. 100%. And those sometimes those are actually the, the most incredible moments when you hear people in resistance um, and what and resistance is a coaching term and that shows up as in blaming other people it shows up in living a victim story it shows up in, as a heaviness in a story and when the kernel sort of starts to pop inside of them and they realize i'm none of those things i'm not I'm not the actions of other people. I'm not my victim story that I have the power to change my story and to make a contribution. It's why I do what I do. There's nothing like it actually to bear witness to people becoming open to the fact that they can shift not only themselves, but circumstances is a remarkable thing. So that that is remarkable. And I, I hear this quote going around and it's it's actually on TikTok, believe it or not. So I guess it's a lot of younger millennials and Gen Z. And it's about how I know you're spiritual, Michelle, and it doesn't even matter if, if whether you believe in God or, or what what you believe in. But there's this quote that it's like, imagine you're entering the gates of heaven and God's at a table or whoever the leader is. And they slip a piece of paper across the table and it's who you were meant to be or who you were supposed to be. And I wonder how that resonates with you. Can you imagine? Wow. Scary to think of. Amazing to think of for me. And, you know, it's funny because I work with people at all levels of corporate Canada. And one of the most common themes is certainly who am I meant to be? And am I on the right path? Am I doing what I'm meant to be doing? And it doesn't, I mean, gender doesn't matter. Spirituality doesn't matter. It's just, am I, it's this question of, am I being who I'm meant to be. And can you imagine 
for those of us who didn't get that answer while we were live and here comes that piece of paper it could be like your response would be anything broke oh man i'm so close <laughs> or i knew it yeah i knew it or, right or i knew it and i just couldn't or yay nailed it nailed it i just that's oh i'm gonna have to i'm gonna be spending some time thinking about that actually when people ask you uh you know am i on the right path and you're speaking to people about what they want. You know, I know some people they're like, oh, you need to figure out what your passion is. And then people are like, well, I don't even have a passion. And then some people are say, find out what energizes you. What do you, do you say any of those things to people? How do you think about that? Sure, I say those things to people, but I say lots of things to people. One of my favorite things about my job is I'll say something to people and it will resonate with them. And then they'll go, okay, can you say that again? And I will say, no, it's a one-time thing. I can't, <laughs> I can't, I don't remember what I just said. I often get people telling me, Michelle, you've got to write a book. Like, wow, like you've got to write a book. And one of my resistances to writing a book is I don't think there's one way like it drives me crazy, whether it's a book or posts or whatever it is that says, this is what you have to do. Because that's bullshit. There are a myriad of paths to get to where you want to go. So what, what I do start with people, what I do start by saying to people is, you already know where you need to go. Your only job is to pay attention. So I'm not the person to come to to say, this is what you need to do. That's not my job. My job, in my opinion, is to help you understand that you already know. And it's just all the noise and baggage that you've piled on top that gets in the way of that knowing. So why is it so damn hard if people know? Why is it so hard for them to admit or to come to terms with what they want? Because what it requires, that was my dog adding her two cents. What it requires is a belief in yourself. And that can be hard for some of us. I love to throw out non-statistical percentages when I'm talking. So I would say 97% of the people that I talk to, regardless of the level of success, this is what I find so fascinating. Regardless of the level of success, have experienced deep concern about whether they are capable and whether they are worthy and whether they can do it. And getting on your path requires you to believe in yourself. And what I would say is, we are socialized. First of all, we're not taught that fundamental lesson. You have to believe in yourself. We are taught and we are socialized that others have to believe in you in order for you to be successful. So we spend a great deal of time trying to get validation from others. And so that, you know, that starts as a toddler with your parents. Am I doing the right thing? Like, am I eating the cookie at the right time? Am I holding my knife and fork at the right time? 
my very good friends, Miles and Morgan, little people, eight and 10 years old right now would know that I am a stickler for table manners. <laughs> and they're constantly looking to me to say, am I doing it right? And it goes through school. Am I getting the grades? Do my teachers like me? What are they saying about me? And it, you know, then we try and get boys or girls to like us. We, we're constantly trying to please people and get them to validate us. And I don't remember ever having someone say to me, are you pleasing yourself? Are you listening to yourself? And that, that to me is the secret sauce. Learning how to listen to yourself in the cacophony of other voices. Yeah, that's definitely not something we're told. Or it seems like ever, ever really taught. Right. And so suddenly I get, you know, 30, 40, 50 year olds coming to me and going, what am I supposed to do? And how sad is it that the answer's been there all along? It's been right there. Where does it creep in where, so we do give other people permission, it seems like, to, to tell us what they think. Mm -hmm. They feel like they have that permission, mm -hmm. whether they're friends, family, coworkers. Bosses, um, like our structures are actually set up like that, right? Yeah our, yeah. our worth is dependent on a boss saying to you, you do or you don't get a raise. How you've been showing up is worthy. Your ability to get into the university of your choice is dependent on a teacher saying, yes, you're smart enough or no, you're not smart enough. Like I, I was told by Mr. Stedick, God bless you, Mr. Stedick, if you're still around, grade 12 math. He called my mother in and said, Mrs. Kirkpatrick, your daughter can't do math. And I, she needs to drop this class. She's just not, she's not able to do this. Now, what I heard in the story I told for a long time was that he said I wasn't smart enough. And I have no idea if that's what he said. But I will tell you that it left a huge impression on me that I wasn't smart enough. So there was this, so there it was born, right? It's, I don't, I, I'm not smart enough. People who knew how to do math, Chin Thong Wang, he was in my grade 12 math class and he would teach Mr. Stedek how to do math. One of my greatest days, Mr. Stedek had an equation on the board and Chin Thong said, that's actually wrong. And it was just, it was like, it felt so good because Chin Thong had a, had a propensity for math. And I was taught that smart people knew how to do math. And then I'm being, I'm being asked to leave a math class. <laughs> like, come on. And so in business, it impacted me for a really long time because every time I would look at a spreadsheet or every time I would have to put a budget together, every time I would have to sit in a strategy meeting and, and talk numbers, I felt incompetent and it, and it was so loud. And then when I decided to overcome that hurdle, what I realized was I wasn't fast at math and it took me longer to process it, but I get it. And I'm actually really smart. Took, I took an IQ test. Well, I got, I was told to take an IQ test as an organizational psycho, when an organizational psychologist came in. Turns out I'm super smart. But I spent a lot of formative years going, oh, I'm not smart. And it's only a matter of time until somebody finds out. Yeah, that, that's sad. Yeah, that that is that is sad. So how do you coach people on how to 
listen to themselves more? Is that something they have to develop over time? It is something that you have to develop over time, but it's, it's, um, this is where the word ritual comes in. So listening to yourself, the best way to gain access to self is through ritual. And what I mean by that is consciously incorporating quiet time into your schedule. And that's also not what we like to do, right? Mm -hmm. We're not big fans of quiet time. And by quiet time, I mean not Netflix and chill. I mean quiet time. And we like to do, and, and particularly in today's society, right? We are constantly, constantly adding stimulus to our brain. And, and the first step in understanding your path is introducing no noise ritual in and just noticing what the thoughts are not doing anything else but noticing what your thoughts are oh that's interesting i'm stupid i'm smart i'm making meatloaf for dinner my kids are driving me crazy whatever those thoughts are just it's just being with your thoughts and we don't like to be with our thoughts we like to do we don't like to be. I think they did a study in the U S and more Americans would rather experience like an electric shock or electrocution than sit with their thoughts for 30 minutes, which is quite sad. Like that's unbelievable. Yeah. Like what do we think is in there? But that's the other thing that we're taught and we are taught this. We are taught that we are our thoughts and we are not. So one of the most life-changing books for me, um, I have a few, but one of them was Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. I found it a super difficult book to read. I ended up getting the audio version. It took me a little while to listen to his voice. I, I wasn't expecting his accent, I wasn't, right? And it was, so it took me a long time to sort of get into the cadence of the book. And it's heavy stuff, like it's heavy themes, but it was like, oh, wow, I am not my thoughts. So when I think, oh, I want to punch that person, that's not who I am. It's just a thought. Now, what I do with that thought is what matters in my life. And, and I found that I, I found that book life-changing, just noticing what my thoughts were and then starting to relate to them on a different level. So just being more curious about them, sometimes amused by them, but not judging myself based on the thoughts that I was having. That was a profound step for me. That certainly does sound like it's had a profound impact and I'll be sure to check out that book by Eckhart Tolle. Uh, I admittedly need to give myself the space to get curious about my own thoughts. So thanks, Michelle. Let's wrap the episode there. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to follow Get Your Shift Together on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and visit michelleferrari.org to learn more. 
This has been Jordan Harding with Michelle Ferrari reminding you to get your shift together. Join us next time.